Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. It is our first weekend wrap of the year 2022. And I want to start by giving a huge shout out and congratulations to everybody who's jumped onto our Buy Me A Coffee page for the week on Wednesday and contributed and supported the the work that we're doing here, Van and I are doing with the week on Wednesday and the weekend wrap. I want to make it really clear the week on Wednesday, the weekend wrap will always be free to listen to, will always be free to download. The Buy Me A Coffee supporter page is for those who can and want to make a contribution to help us get the message out further, to help us pay for um, technical support, for the equipment, all the stuff that we have to try and put in place. And of course, we've been just so, so grateful and just so humbled by the level of support people have shown. We really want to thank everybody and congratulate people for choosing to be part of this great journey and adventure that we've been on. We've now had over 250,000 downloads since we started the week on Wednesday, and that's because of people like you listening, sharing, liking, commenting, engaging people in conversation. And of course, so much has happened since we went on break, uh, and so much has happened just this week. This weekend wrap, we're only going to cover things that have happened this week because there's so much happening and so much going forward to look at as well. So firstly, let's talk about the Omicron in the room, COVID-19. Australia has now gone past both the UK and US in terms of cases per million people, which is the first time over the course of the pandemic that we have exceeded those two countries uh, for case numbers. We now have 532,079 active cases of COVID-19 that we know about in Australia. In the last seven days, 490,000 cases of COVID-19. There are currently 4,409 people in hospitals and only 13% of Australians have had a booster shot. In New South Wales, in the last 30 days, there have sadly been 91 people die with COVID-19. And just in the last 24-hour reporting period, New South Wales had its worst ever day with 16 people passing away. These numbers are extraordinarily large. Hospitalizations are around 1%, which is less than previous waves of COVID. But as Norman Swan pointed out on the ABC, if it is less likely that you'll end up in hospital, that's a good thing. But if the virulence, that is the number of people getting the virus, is so exponentially more than the reduction in the likelihood of hospitalization, you're still going to have large hospitalization numbers. And that's what we're seeing, particularly in New South Wales, but also starting to spread to other parts of the country as well. Victoria has recorded 44,000 cases today. Now, Victoria is recording more cases daily than New South Wales over the last couple of days because it's including rapid antigen tests, rats. New South Wales still isn't doing that. They're saying they're going to start doing that sort of the middle of the week. People will be able to log their rat test result in the Service New South Wales app. I'm not clear if they're going to make that compulsory or not. In Victoria, there's a really clear understanding. If you test positive on a rat, you go onto the government website and you log it or you call up and you log it so we know how many people have COVID and what's going on. In New South Wales, there are 2,000 people, almost 2,000 people in hospital just in New South Wales. So at the moment, they're making up nearly half of all hospitalisation numbers in Australia. In Queensland... 
they've now pushed back the start of school because of COVID-19. Now, I think personally, I think this is probably a good move. I know this is a divisive issue in the community, but if you've logged on and had a look at the stories that are coming out of the US in particular, I saw a story on Reddit today of a high school student who was talking about his experience of going back to school. He was opposed to home learning. So it was bad for his mental health. It was terrible. He really hated doing it. But they went back to school and literally half the day was spent avoiding COVID. Teachers were off sick. Students were getting sick. People were doing tests in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. diagnosing themselves with COVID in the bathroom at school. There was no structure. Nothing was learnt. Hundreds of people exposed at school on day one after their Christmas New Year break that they have, which is much shorter than ours here in Australia. We need to avoid that scenario. We already have huge numbers of people who are isolating, who have been exposed, and of course, now who have COVID-19. So I think Queensland's decision to push back the start of school by two weeks is probably the right one. And hopefully the numbers are less and more under control when they do go back in on the 7th of February. So the 7th of February, if you're in Queensland, make a note of that date. The moment test numbers are resulting in about 30%. So one in three people who do a test are turning up COVID positive. That is up, massively up. Two weeks ago, it was less than 6% of tests were positive. Now it's 30%. Huge, huge increase. I just want to say that my own mother today uh, has tested positive for COVID-19. It's quite a shock. She had a Category 1 surgical procedure booked in uh, for uh, Wednesday uh, and she had to do a PCR test uh, because of that and she came back with a a positive COVID test. She's now in isolation. Uh, She's not been feeling well for months. She still doesn't feel particularly well but no worse than she was. Obviously, uh, she hasn't been well. That's why she's got to do this um, hospital uh, admission. Now, she's not going to be able to do that and that's one of the One of the really tragic elements of this let it rip strategy that Morrison and Perrottet have pursued is that it's not just the people with COVID, which is sad enough as it is, but it's the knock-on effects. So people who needed to have operations are not having them. Elective surgery has now been postponed once again in Victoria and New South Wales, you know, Yes, it's disappointing that we can't go dancing and we can't go singing and, you know, we're not supposed to be served beer, standing up or whatever the situation is with those sorts of protections. But the impact on people's health long term is something we're still not going to know for a long time. You know, we're going to see people who are going to miss out on operations, who are going to miss out on diagnostic tests, surgical diagnostics, that, like my mum's, who need that. They need that. You know, priority one. But now, of course, mum has a COVID diagnosis. She can't, uh, she can't do it. And it's not like my mum's out partying every week, right? Like my mum is 60 years old. She plays a bit of golf. She has lunch with her friends who are her age and older occasionally. And somewhere along the line, living in regional Victoria, she has picked up COVID-19. This is everywhere. 
so much so that we're seeing it up to half of the workers in the supply chain that supply Coles, Aldi, Kmart, Bunnings are unavailable to work because they either have COVID or they've been exposed to COVID. Now, today, the Morrison government is calling a supply chain management meeting. They haven't invited any unions, no worker representation at all at this meeting. You know, it's absolutely mind-boggling to think that with COVID everywhere, with thousands of healthcare workers, 2,000 healthcare workers in Queensland alone, over 5,200 healthcare workers in New South Wales out of the system, half of the supply chain workers supply our major supermarkets out of the system. The Morrison government isn't interested in talking to the unions, isn't interested in talking to workers' representation. You know, there's never been a better time to be a member of your union. You, more than ever, with the Morrison government indicating earlier this week that they wanted to pivot towards people who are exposed to COVID still having to go to work, still having to turn up to work, even though they're at a high risk of having COVID, even though they've been exposed, even though they're likely to test positive in the future and thus infect others. And now this meeting today, where undoubtedly that that mindset is going to be put into place. We're seeing it already in place in healthcare settings. We're now going to see it in the supply chain. We're going to see it in supermarkets. You know, we pay some of the people in the supply chain barely above minimum wage, but we're going to expect them to be exposed to COVID. We're going to expect them to take risks that no member of the Morrison government would take themselves. You know, risks that we don't expect bankers to take. Like, it's mind-blowing, mind-blowing. So the executives of Coles and Woolworths will still work from home and the people on just above minimum wage are going to be expected to front up COVID exposure sites day after day after day. This is the reality of the Morrison government. Why do I say join the union? Because the union movement is actively pushing back against this this let it rip mentality, this mentality that sees sick people going to work, this mentality that says, if you don't have leave, that's your problem. This mentality that says, even if you have leave, if we decide we need you to come to work because we don't want to have you know, less bread on the shelves, then you're coming to work. That is why you need to join your union right now. Australianunions.org.au slash wow, W-O-W, for the week on Wednesday, wow, you can join your union. Absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. We're seeing the Morrison government push down health and safety in the workplace, push down around the risk of COVID exposure. And why? Because they didn't do their job. The Morrison government didn't do their job. You know, we don't have enough rapid antigen tests. We don't have enough PCR capacity. We don't have the supports in place now. It's interesting to see that this let it rip mentality that was supposed to be about keeping the economy strong has actually resulted in the worst economic outcomes in New South Wales since the pandemic began and the worst economic outcomes across the country since the start of the Delta outbreak. So even though the country is not locked down and even though the supports that underpin keeping people going through a lockdown period are not there. People are taking 
steps to protect themselves. And of course, with so many exposures, with so many infections, people can't go out anyway. It goes to show, without a healthy population, you can't have a healthy economy. An economy is just the the sum of the decisions and the interactions that people make. That's all it is. That's all it is. So that's a huge thing that's happening today, you know, and it's not going to get as much media attention maybe as it should because, frankly, the government deciding how workers will be exposed to COVID going back to work without talking to the workers themselves is phenomenally anti-democratic in my view. There's a few other things I want to talk about as well. I touched briefly on Queensland. Obviously, there's a lot of issues there uh, with uh, the school going back, but also there's a tropical cyclone that's hit Queensland. For those of us outside of Queensland, this is you know devastating. 80 homes in Maryborough have been impacted by this. The, the town of Maryborough has built this big flood wall down the middle of the town. It's an impressive thing to see. If you get a chance to have a look at it online, do check it out. Uh, And of course, sadly, a 14-year-old girl is still missing uh, in the floods. Her father was found clinging to a tree, is what I've read. This is very, very sad. uh, And we wish everybody who's impacted by this the, the absolute speediest recovery. We saw storm damage in Victoria this week as well, uh, around central Victoria and other parts of, of the state. And again, we wish everybody who's been impacted uh, the best and speediest recovery. I want to point out, while we're talking uh, about COVID more broadly, that the aged care sector, once again, is at risk. So 20% of aged care facilities in Australia are currently locked down. That's over 500 facilities uh, locked down. This is because of COVID exposures. Now, up until now, the Omicron variant has been mainly impacting younger people. But what we're seeing in the UK and the US and other parts of the world is that the wave is starting to spread into the older parts of the population. And as I've mentioned before, my own mother, who is 60, has contracted COVID because now older people are having had Christmas, they're having their interactions, they're going back to work, they're starting to spread. With aged care facilities, you're starting to have this problem. Up to 25% of the staff in these facilities are exposed as well. We know what happens when our most vulnerable are exposed to things like COVID. Hospitalisation rates go up, ICU rates go up, and deaths will go up. Let it rip is crushing our economy. It's crushing our people. And I fear the next few weeks, we're going to start to see more of our most vulnerable, our elders in our community, suffer hospitalisation and potentially death as well. Hopefully I'm wrong. I like being wrong about these things. It's good to be wrong when you have these kind of worries. But sadly, the last few years have shown we've been right more often than we've been wrong. And of course, unlike Scott Morrison, we're looking at what's happening overseas and drawing on that information to give us some insight into what might happen going forward. 
The other big story this week, and I want to leave COVID behind a little bit, but it's still kind of COVID related, is Novak Djokovic. How could we talk about this week without talking about Novak Djokovic and the cricket and Scott Morrison's total abject failure to lead? Firstly, let's go through it. Djokovic came to Australia on a visa that he was granted by Border Force on the basis of medical exemptions that Tennis Australia said he was eligible for. That visa was cancelled um, by the government after Djokovic arrived, and he has since been put into the Park Hotel, which is used by the Border Force as an immigration detention facility. Now, uh, Djokovic's exemption apparently was based on the idea that he had COVID in December. It's come to light today that there are photos of him at an event where he was getting his own stamp presented to him in Serbia uh, by the government uh, uh, the day after he was supposedly tested positive to COVID. Now, I don't doubt that he had COVID, uh, but I also don't doubt that he decided that it didn't matter and he went and shook hands with people and, you know, took the plaudits for having his own stamp. He just seems like that kind of guy, frankly. He just seems like the kind of guy who's like, I feel fine, I don't care, I'm going to go get my stamp. However, we do care in Australia. We absolutely care. You cannot come to this country if you're not vaccinated, unless you have specific medical exemptions. And if you don't have those, you don't get to stay here. That's the rule. And whether you're the world number one tennis player or a student or coming here to get married to somebody you've known for 10 years, I just don't care. Like, be vaccinated, man. Like, seriously, Rafa Nadal said this really well. I listen to the people who are experts in medicine. We need the vaccine. That's what he said. He's totally right. Spot on. There's a guy who got a vaccine. And look, he can play tennis. He can come here and play tennis if he wants. That's totally fine. What's interesting about this from my perspective is not the Novak Djokovic. The guy's a multimillionaire. He's making squillions of dollars. I don't really care what he does. Like, people say, oh, you've got to respect him because he's such a great tennis player. I just don't buy into that, right? Like, I'm a huge football fan, round ball football fan, and I respect the footballing talents of footballers. But as far as I'm concerned, if they're absolute dogs of people, then they're dogs of people. Like, you can't just say to people, you get a blank check to be a terrible person because you're good at a sport, you know, I'm not going to buy into that, and I don't think we should. In this country, sometimes we do. It's really sad to see. Novak Djokovic has steadfastly refused to participate in the broader social protections that we're trying to implement to protect our most vulnerable and our broader community from COVID-19. That makes him an antisocial person. That makes him whatever else you want to call him, a rabid individualist, a libertarian, whatever, I don't really care, right? But I'm not going to give him undue respect just because he can hit a tennis ball. Frankly, I don't care. I'm much, much more interested in what he is or isn't doing to help the broader society. And frankly, as much as people like watching the tennis, it's not actually that important for the proper functioning of society. Nobody lives or dies because of a tennis match. However, they can live or die because they get infected by COVID. Now, sure, COVID is now rampant and Novak Djokovic might only infect a few people. The point is, once you start to allow people to break the rules, then everybody breaks the rules. 
And that's what we've seen in other places. In the UK, they have this huge debate about whether or not Boris Johnson is having Christmas parties. Why? Because lots of people didn't see their families because they were told they couldn't have Christmas parties. So if the Prime Minister is breaking the rules, other people feel empowered to break the rules. Same with sports stars, celebrities. It it goes on and on. But the really, really interesting level of detail here is that the Park Hotel, as I mentioned, is used by the Border Force as an immigration detention facility. And there are 30 asylum seekers who are kept there. Now, there have been reports of them being served moldy bread, food with maggots in it, really awful living conditions. And now, of course, Djokovic is there, as is a Czech doubles player who has basically said this is like being in prison, right? It's not surprising to those of us who pay attention to what Border Force does to asylum seekers to learn that the facility is kept like a prison because these people are imprisoned. Now, the Serbian government has demanded that Djokovic be moved to a nicer hotel. Think about that. Djokovic's government doesn't like him being at the Park Hotel because it's like a prison. Because even though he's broken the rules, and look, he'll have his day in court tomorrow, he should be put in a nicer hotel. None of the people, the 30 asylum seekers who've been kept in this facility for months and months and months and months, none of their governments have demanded they be moved to a nicer hotel. I think when you just look at that, just casually look at that, let alone look more deeply, but even if you just casually looked at that, that in itself should be enough to make you go, these people really are asylum seekers. Their government does not care that they're kept in these facilities. It does not care that they're being treated like prisoners. Novak Djokovic's government cares. The governments of other people care. But these refugees, these are people who have fled from their countries of birth, their countries of origin, because they are in an oppressed situation. Their governments don't make their living conditions safe. Here is the perfect evidence. 30 people whose governments have abandoned them to prison-like conditions in Australia versus one man whose government is very publicly, globally, calling for him to be released or at least moved to a nicer hotel. Chalk and cheese. It's chalk and cheese. So whenever we think about Djokovic, like, I just don't care. If he's a good tennis player, great, good on him. Get vaccinated, man. That's what everybody else is doing. That's what other tennis players are doing. It's really, really important, I think, that we do everything we can to try and suppress the virus. Please wear your masks out in public. Please get vaccinated. Get your booster where you can. Morrison this week has been at the cricket, commentating on the cricket. I saw an interesting article today by Hugh Rimmington that talked about how Morrison has essentially become a commentator on the process of government. And really, the symbolism of him being in the commentary box at the cricket sums that up. Didn't order enough vaccines. Hasn't ordered enough boosters. Didn't order enough rapid antigen tests. Hasn't made them available free to everybody who needs them. Hasn't done enough to provide support to small business and to workers. Is now scrambling to try and keep bread on the shelves, meat in the freezers. 
The man has failed and failed and failed. This era of personal responsibility, where Morrison and the boy Prince Perite are supposed to be somehow or another allowing us to flourish and live with the virus, is a nonsense. It's a fantasy. It's a Friedmanite, mind-boggling explosion of nonsense. Because what happens when people are sick? The economy gets sick. The economy is just people making decisions, interacting and transacting with each other. When people are sick, the economy is sick. This notion that somehow or another, Morrison can wave his magic wand and send sick people back to work and send people who are exposed to a virus back to work and everything will be okay again is frankly dangerous and deluded. So that's the weekend wrap because this week... (laughs) You know, Van and I have both been sick this week. We've had a a seasonal flu. We've done our rats tests. We've been negative, thankfully. But it's been a tough week. Tough week for us. A tough week for millions of Australians. And I think the next few weeks will be tough as well. Please do. I know I say this every week in rap, but really do look out for yourself and for each other. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. And don't forget to listen to The Week on Wednesday with me and Van. Van has been out there on the Today Show, uh, doing Marcus Paul, QAnon and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracy Cults, best-selling book, pick it up. You know, we're out there. We're getting the message out. Do share this episode. Uh, do let me know what you think. Uh, like, comment. Uh, if you do want to contribute, do check out our Buy Me A Coffee page. It's buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. The links will be on all of our social media as well. And just remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.